It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This episode of the Yankees Magazine Podcast is brought to you by the MLB app. Yankees baseball is always live with the MLB app. Follow the action with game tracking and video highlights along with up-to-the-moment stats, standings, breaking news, and more. Download the MLB app today. It's your number one app for Yankees baseball. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Yankees Magazine podcast. I'm John Schwartz. I'm the deputy editor for Yankees Magazine. With me right now, we have our executive editor, Nathan Makaborski. How you doing, Nate? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm great. Nothing has felt normal for a lot of months, obviously, but we've spent the last few weeks ramping up production on a magazine, and while doing it from home and with you know kids jumping all over you and while trying to get a hot glue gun working for one of your kids' projects while also editing stories isn't the norm by any means, it is a feeling of what normal life used to entail, I guess. It is. It's, it's something approaching uh, our, our former life, at least. Yeah, it's it's been a, a challenge working from home. I, I really miss my, uh, my old my computer and the, the printer that we have at the stadium because the, uh, the, the hardware that I'm using here leaves much to be desired. But um, yeah, it feels great to be working on a magazine again and be able to, uh, to roll this thing out here pretty soon. Uh, we plan to be going on press with it, I guess, uh, in the next couple of weeks. Um, and hopefully subscribers should, uh, should get the August issue of Yankees Magazine in their mailboxes around the, uh, around the first week of August. So awesome. So this week, let's talk a little bit about that issue. Uh, we could talk about some of the stories that we had to hold for a little bit. We have a awesome cover I know you want to tease. And, and we'll also just look at, in general, what we've been seeing and how we've reported on the return right now. You know, I think as with everything else, and I, you just have to take my word for it that, that I mean this sincerely when I say things like this. We still don't know. We're still watching the stuff. We're optimistic. The Yankees operation staff has done an amazing job of seemingly keeping things moving properly. I know selfishly, I'll say the media relations staff has done as good a job as you could hope for in terms of getting us access to these players because it's just all really hard right now. But of course, this is still surreal in a lot of ways. We're still talking about baseball returning in a week from when this comes out. You know, and look, I mean, you know, cases are still it's it's not a great time for this country right now still. So so I just, I just want to make very clear that we get that. And I don't want anyone to suggest that, you know, we're talking about baseball while, you know, the country burns. On the one hand, I'll say that's our job. That's what we're supposed to do. We know that people actually are enjoying um, some of the distractions of baseball and things like that. But 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 we do understand. And I, and I think not just us, I think everyone involved with this understands nothing is perfect right now. That's just the way it is. 
Yeah, and putting together this issue, this August issue of Yankees Magazine, uh, was sort of a, a delicate balancing act. You know, we certainly wanted to reflect the 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 positive aspects of baseball coming back, and you know, the the optimism that we try to hold on to. And you know, I think we came up with a, a cover concept uh, that really screams that. You know, I, I said to our boss, Al Santasiri, that my goal for this issue is to, you know, hopefully be sort of a, uh, an oasis for our readers uh, away from the, the headlines and all the news reports of everything else that's going on. It would be nice to uh, get something in your, in your mailbox that, uh, you know, takes your mind off of those things for a little while. And uh, I, I think we've done a really good job of that with this issue. Um, I'm really excited for everybody to see the cover. I'm not going to not ready to reveal exactly who's on it just yet, but we're gonna we're gonna you know keep you guys hanging on for a few more days. I think we'll we'll probably tweet it out early next week. Give kind of a sneak peek on Twitter, so make sure you're following us at Yanks Magazine. But everything about this uh, this issue, I, th- I think, is really kind of captures the the excitement about baseball returning. Uh, it's just so good to to see these guys again. You know, see uh, you know we got a nice poster of Garrett Cole and his pinstripes and, uh, you know, a nice big picture of, uh, Aaron judge smiling on the right on the table of contents. So, uh, there's, there's a lot of things in here that I, I think, uh, will make our readers, uh, give, give them reason to smile. There's also, I just have to say, you know, such a melancholy aspect to a lot of what's in there, not in the sense that it's not great to see baseball or anything like that. But one example, you know, as I was proofing it over the last few days, my story that I reported on in January on Jason Dominguez is finally running. Yeah. And man, it's like, I just look at those pictures and that wasn't that long ago that I was in the Dominican Republic for this story. But I I mean, it's like looking at like a picture from World War Two. It just feels like just a different epic um, (laughs) in the world. I I just can't even imagine, you know, so that that obviously hit me a lot. But I think we should uh, turn to one. You know, we finally get to in this issue talk about what has been one of the hardest things for the Yankees during this time that we've all been away from the stadium. And that was the passing of Hank Steinbrenner. And Nate, you had the task of trying to sum up this life and just how much more to Hank there was than I, I have said that than I knew. And I think that a lot of fans are going to of our fans are going to find. And I'm I think you did a wonderful job of it. And I'm just interested in how you approached obviously such a sensitive story. I thought you did a masterful job on it. And I'm curious how you did it. Well, first off, thanks, John. And um, my overarching goal with the story was to kind of pay tribute to Hank. And like you said, let, let readers know that there was a lot more to him than, than what was, you know, reported in the, in the New York tabloids or, or what have you. And um, Tony Bruno, who's the, one of the senior vice presidents of the Yankees, he works down in Tampa, was very close with Hank and is close with the, has been close with the Steinbrenner family. Um, he was really helpful in kind of uh, telling me uh, about Hank, but also um, helping me get in touch with uh, a lot of the people who knew him best. You know, so I was able to speak to Hank's siblings, uh, including Hal Steinbrenner, who uh, had some really great uh, anecdotes and things to share about his brother. Um, I spoke to uh, two of Hank's four children, uh, including his son, George Michael, who uh, is involved in the auto racing world, uh, as some people know. But everybody was just so 
just great to talk to. And really, uh, I, after talking to enough people, you start to see threads, common, common themes appear. And, uh, you know, one was that he was just extremely, extremely intelligent. Um, he was a guy who, you know, he was very passionate about a lot of different things, really. I mean, from music to auto racing to baseball to horse breeding, which was, you know, really kind of the main focus of his, his professional career. You know, when, when he was passionate about something, it wasn't just sort of a passing interest. Like he really dug deep and, and dove into these things and, and wanted to know all that he could about them. And so, uh, you know, I thought that was really interesting. And, you know, I just, I had always known that, you know, he was involved in the horse business, but I didn't know anything about it really. Um, so I was really curious to just find out like what that all entailed. And um, I talked to two of the people he was really close to um, that worked on the, the family farm down there, kind of helped to run the farm alongside Hank and his sister, Jessica, uh, by the names of Jim Scott and Tom Ventura. And they just were able to shed light in, in a really kind of fascinating way on what made Hank so successful in that business. You know, he was able to apply his intellect and his just kind of unending curiosity and, and you know, thirst for knowledge uh, to the horse breeding business, thoroughbred horses. And I, I got kind of a, a crash course in uh, how, you know, thoroughbred horses come to be. And uh, he was like a savant at it. He, he really knew his stuff. Well, that comes through so well in the story. I mean, you see the the people who are in the horse business just talking about he wasn't a guy writing checks. He was a guy researching bloodlines and things like that and trying to figure out the best way to take a horse that they had and track all of its generations and everything and figure out the best way to establish, you know, a, a great lineage of horses for the future. And I like how you point out that it's obviously a different world and it's a different sport, but I think we're a lot more used to thinking about that in baseball terms and thinking about just the research and the planning and the strategy that goes into not just building a major league team, but all the things you have to do. You have to build a baseball operations department. You have to build a research department. You have to get the right people. You have to have a player development system that all the way up and down from the top levels where you're just kind of sanding off the last edges to the guys in the Dominican who take 16-year-old kids and try to start them down that path. I'll admit that I didn't know anything about the thoroughbred breeding process, and I, I don't think that I'm an expert now by any means, but it was interesting to see just kind of the love and the heart that goes into everything that gets a horse from those couple of years between when it's born to when it's done racing, and then what happens next? When two-year-olds win big races like Majestic Warrior did that year, they catch the attention of the entire industry. And so it kind of set off like a bidding war because three-year-olds are the horses that run in the, the Triple Crown events. So this particular horse was like a fifth generation horse from their farm, like going all the way back. You know, they could trace the the lineage uh, all the way back to like the, the 70s or early 80s. So, And correct me if I'm wrong, trace it to Secretariat, correct? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Secretariat uh, was, was paired with one of the female horses that belonged to, to Kinsman Farm back in the early 80s. And then, you know, 
that offspring begat other offspring who begat other offspring. And then, uh, <laughs> you know, like the Bible. kind of more and more successes along the way. But, but, you know, Hank was able to kind of determine like, it's, it's really, there's an art and there's a science to it. And he was really astute at identifying bloodlines that potentially could be paired to make something really special. Um, and so it was just really cool to hear those types of stories. And uh, like I said, kind of get a crash course on an industry that uh, I, had, I had really no, no previous knowledge of. And it's clear that he, he knew what he was doing. He was, uh, he was pretty special in that regard. Well, like I said, it's a beautiful story. And it had me thinking, and I, and I think that like everyone, I've had to have this feeling a lot. It's kind of a weird memory. But back when we could do things together, one thing that I find myself really loving, like maybe even a life philosophy, if you want to call it that, is always go to the funeral. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I'll go to funerals for my parents, friends, people I don't know that well, people sometimes I don't even like that much. Um, but but I, I know that that's just the best place to hear good stories. And maybe, you know, they're sanded off a little bit and all these things, and that's to be expected. But I've, I found a couple of times, and I think it's a function of simply, obviously, being surrounded by more death right now, unfortunately, that I've been trying to do a better job of not assuming that I know somebody based on whatever my small interactions with that person might be. And I never had any interactions with Hank Steinbrenner outside of really the media reports in that year or two when he was kind of running the Yankees. And I just found that reading this story and reading the stuff that came out in April, right when he passed away, I'll be honest, you know, when I saw the news that he had passed away, what I wasn't expecting was the immediate outpouring of grief from a lot of sports writers who just talked about the conversations they had with him and how much they loved talking to him and how smart and funny and fun and kind he was. And I'm not saying because I thought he was otherwise, I simply didn't know. And, yeah. and you know, you see, you see this with a lot of things. You know, I, there was a very well-renowned photographer who passed away early in this whole thing, Anthony Causey, who was a brilliant photographer, um, and I didn't know him very well. And in fact, most of my interactions with him had been on kind of like the <laughs> the rough edges of his being incredibly good at his job and incredibly forceful sometimes. And mm -hmm. I, I, I just hope that if I whenever we come through to the other side of this, you know, if there's one way I want to be better, it's it's just by knowing that, again, it's not even a matter of people I think ill of. It's just to try to appreciate just the fuller stories that exist in all of these people. And again, just maybe that's not totally related to anything in Yankees Magazine, but I will say reading that story, it was very refreshing to really learn about this guy who, for better or worse, has been a part of my life for the seven years I've worked for the Yankees. Not that I ever dealt with him, but just he was kind of that name at the top of, you know, the the masthead there. And you think you know a little bit about him. In terms of, I knew nothing about him. I, I wouldn't have guessed that he was this huge mu music fan, that he, you know, was listening to Broadway show tunes and who. And I mean, it, just, it, it, it didn't seem to mesh with what I thought the Steinbrenner family was in some ways. And I really did enjoy reading that. And, and I, I think you did a terrific job of telling that story. Yeah, you know, I mean, everybody who met him liked him. Uh, so, but he was a really private guy. So, not that many people did know him very well. The the newspaper reports that came out, a lot of them did kind of focus on when he was kind of thrust into being part of the Yankees ownership. But I, I thought that the stories uh, below the surface uh, from those who knew him best were really the ones that resonated with me. And like I said, I hope this is a nice tribute to him, and I hope our, our readers get a sense of just what a special guy Hank Steinbrenner was.
It absolutely is. I look forward to everyone getting to read it in the August issue coming up soon. We're going to take a super quick break. And when we come back, we're just going to really quickly, I guess, look back at how we have gotten from the middle of March when we all went home to where we are right now, a week from watching a quote-unquote regular season baseball game for the first time. So stick with us. Hi, this is Garrett Cole. You're listening to the Yankees Magazine Podcast. Deep to left. Yastrzemski will not get it. It's a home run. A three-run home run for Bucky Jim. The Yankees now lead it by a score three to two. Hey, folks, it's Bucky Dent. I'm proud to be part of a new podcast on Yankees Magazine Podcast Network called Deep to Left with Bucky Dent. Every other Tuesday, we'll bring you a new episode chatting about great moments from Yankee history with some of my best friends from a career in the game. We'll look at what's happening with the current team, share some memories, and no surprise, we'll even discuss a little homer I hit one credible day in Fenway Park. Download Deep to Left with Bucky Dent at yankees.com slash podcast or at the podcast app of your choice. Can't wait to speak with you soon. This episode is also brought to you by MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand with MLB.tv. Your subscription also includes the MLB app Premium, allowing you to stream live baseball with your favorite supported devices. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details. Welcome back to the Yankees Magazine Podcast. So we are here. It is a week from opening day, if that's what we're calling it. I, I think the, the one of the most anticipated opening days probably ever. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Um, it, we've never really had to wait this long for opening day. And in our August issue, I had the good fortune of talking a little bit, not just about what's going on now, but how we got here in a sense. And and some of those stories are some of the most interesting things that I've found. And so before we even get started, Nate, I'm just curious from your perspective, as you watch some of these intra-squad games, as you you know find yourself on some of these Zoom calls with players right now, what, what has been the sensation for you of this ramp up over the last few weeks? Yeah, you know, first and foremost, it, it's great to see the team back out there. You know, it was uh, months away from, from seeing any sort of uh, activity with these guys. It was very strange, especially this time of year. You know, I, I don't think you could have said it any better than you did in your, your cover story for this month's issue, where you said, it turns out the only thing longer than a baseball season is the lack of one. Um, and I, I, that line just, like, jumped off the page to me because I, I couldn't agree more, like, it just, those months dragged on. From where we sit, you know, in the publications department, it just feels so good to be back working on a magazine. John, for you and I, you know, we've spent a good chunk of our adult lives centered on, on baseball, you know, late spring and into early summer. These months have always been spent watching baseball games and writing about them and conducting interviews and everything else that goes into making a magazine. And uh, it, was, it was difficult to not have one to work on. And uh, it's just these last couple of weeks finally being able to edit stories and choose headlines and work with our photographers on choosing photos again. Uh, 
just feels great to be back and it's going to feel even greater when there's actual real live baseball games on TV to watch and our subscribers are getting Yankees magazine in the mail. So you really hit to what I was thinking because I, I guess I was kind of assigned a story uh, pretty vague about just, you know, right about the return to baseball. And I almost felt like I couldn't do that without talking about just what it was like without baseball. And I don't think, you know, people can listen to me on this podcast. So I guess maybe if you're listening, you care a little bit. But I think in general, most people are not that interested in how I experienced it. What I was very curious about was something like how the Yes Network experienced it. Mm-hmm. The Yes Network has never had to look at a calendar and, you know, shrug its shoulders and say, what do we do? You know, there's always sports. There's there's always baseball during the summer. You have baseball every night. Of course, that's what you're doing. And so I was very interested in talking to John Filippelli over there about just what do you do when there's no baseball? And it's not even like you have soccer or basketball or any other sport to talk about either. There's just nothing happening. And I, I found the stories that he was telling me really interesting about just the way that they Again, some of the things that we don't always think about. So, yeah, you want to get baseball in the air, but the first thing you want to do is take care of your staff and make sure they're okay and make sure everyone's safe and figure out a way. I, I barely even got to mention this in the story, but you know, when you close your production offices in Stanford, Connecticut, and you have no one in there, you need to figure out a way not just to create the content, which as we're finding out, you, you and me, Nate, you could do a lot of this stuff from home. But what you don't have at home is a way to transmit what you're creating to a satellite in space. And again, I I wish there was room for this stuff because it was interesting, but it would have been one of those situations where trying to describe it would have taken like a full page. They essentially had to contract someplace out in the woodlands, Texas, that could communicate with their satellite or whatever satellite they use. And they were literally just a guy had basically a backpack that had all the transmission equipment that he could use with an ethernet cord to get it to Texas. And then in Texas, they could relay it. And all these things that are happening that you just never even considered. For all of us, we, we turn the channel to Yes Network and it's just like, man, when are we going to get baseball back? And they're sitting there saying, not only when are we going to get baseball back, but how do we even get this program to you right now? Whatever this program is. <laughs> John, I mean, there were so many like stories like that and anecdotes that you included in here. I loved the... Uh, you know, you spoke to like the, the guy at the River Dogs talking about, you know, how they want, you know, they wanted to still be active. So they looked around and, you know, were like, what can we do to just not go dark for these months while we wait for baseball to come back? And uh, they came up with a really creative solution as well. And I just feel like this whole story, you know, it's going to be obviously, you know, it's, I think readers will be really interested to read it in August. I think it's going to be really fascinating to go back and read this like a year from now or two years from now or five years from now and just be reminded of how bizarre this whole situation was. I mean, that's exactly it. That's what I was trying to do. What I wanted to do was capture just what made this so insane over the last few months uh, and how it impacted the baseball world. Nate, you mentioned the River Dog situation. And I hope I'm not betraying the confidence of the guy I was speaking to, Walter Nolan Cohen over there, who, I mean, again, he's this 25-year-old marketing guy. You can basically close your eyes and draw a picture of him probably, uh, <laughs> you know, and he's the most positive guy and he's laughing and he's telling these fun stories of how they decided to basically adopt the Samsung Lions and the Korea Baseball Organization and just turn their Twitter feed over to essentially just Samsung Lions 
uh, highlights <laughs> and things like that because they had struck up a relationship with them randomly in 2017. And they started, again, using all the things they had. They were they were putting out recipes from the ballpark chefs. Well, they started doing some Korean recipes, too, and things like that. But, you know, I'm having this conversation with him, and toward the end of it, I, I just kind of like I, – I, I lost – the ability to just have kind of a BS conversation with him at some point. And it's just like, you know, Walter, I'm sorry. You know, we're talking as though everything's normal here right now. And as concerned as I am about everything, I'm pretty sure that, you know, there's going to be, I guess, a Yankee season of some kind. There's almost definitely not at the time when I was speaking to him. And now there is definitely not going to be a river dog season. And it just felt weird all of a sudden yeah. to be talking about th- this effort they're making to promote a team. That's not going to happen this year, but that's really bad for the team and it's bad for the team owners and it's bad for the Yankees player development people who are losing the ability to, you know, use the river dogs for everything they need. But you know, this 25 year old marketing guy, this isn't a game for him right now. You know, this isn't just Mm -hmm. how do I promote the Charleston river dogs? It's how do I make sure I have meals? How do I, how do I make sure I'm I'm taking care of? And and, and I was hoping, and I, I hope it came off this way. The story, I didn't want the story to just be rah, rah, finally baseball's back everything's perfect in the world again because you know what it's not and maybe it was more in my head than i actually got down to the paper and obviously you know i'm not in the business of being a wet blanket and kind of be a downer for anyone who is good enough to buy our magazine or read us online but I, i i did at least hope to convey that there is just uncertainty right now and one of the ways i did that and again i'm not trying to trivialize this but even when it looks like everything's working out right, Masahiro Tanaka takes a ball to the head. Yeah. And it's just, there, there's just a lot of concern and there's a lot of problems out there. And it looks like the Yankees are going to play a baseball season. And that's good for a lot of reasons. And I'll be very frank, it's scary to me for a lot of reasons too. And I'm nervous about a lot of things. And again, I, I don't want to depress anyone with the story and I don't want to go against whatever the company line is, so I'll be careful, but I will say I did try to convey that too, that nothing is right here. Nothing is good in a sense of what we expect from opening day. This is a lot harder to talk about. Right, and I think, I, I, I don't think you're being a, a downer. I think you're reflecting the way a lot of people feel and think. I mean, this has been, <laughs> it's been a hell of a year. And, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, uh, an effort in futility to try and predict how it's going to go from here on out. But for the time being, it looks like the baseball season is about to start. So, uh, <laughs> you know, we're, we're pushing forward as best we can. And I think a lot of the, the stories in your article show just how people kind of managed and, and how they did push forward through such a tough time. And, you know, we'll we'll see. It's like I said, there's no point in trying to uh, predict how it's all going to end here. There isn't. And beyond just the pandemic going on, it was obviously a challenging time in this country for a lot of other reasons. And Nate, you actually made the point to me that made me really thinking about this, because a lot of Yankees players did speak out uh, mm-hmm. as, as, as the unrest was in the streets and everything like that. You know, if, if there had been a baseball season going on at the moment, how different would those conversations have been? Not because the situation would have been different in the world, but a lot of players might have felt a little bit less comfortable talking if they had a microphone in their face every day and they couldn't control the conversation the way they are able to with their own social media platforms. And I don't want to say that anything good has come out of this pandemic. I really don't. And I hope no one takes it that way. But what I will say is being away from baseball at a time when this happened, it did give us a chance to 
uh, get to see some Yankees players, whether it be, you know, Giancarlo Stanton, Aaron Hicks, even CeCe Sabathia, who's who's not a player anymore, but he's still involved with the organization. But also guys like James Paxton, who are, who are really investigating kind of how they've viewed the world and how they've understood the world over the years and trying to have different conversations. I, I, I thought it was really gratifying in, in some of the press conferences when Aaron Boone would be asked about this stuff and he would make the point that it's extremely important to him that Yankees players speak out and say the right things of this nature. And that he was proud of the messages coming out of the team as this happened. And again, I, I, I don't know, and this isn't a criticism of anyone, I don't know that we would have had this conversation in Yankees magazine in the course of a normal season. Right. And for whatever purpose, if, if it took this to have this conversation in this magazine, I'll take that as a slight positive. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, definitely a, a silver lining to, to this. And, uh, you know, I, I was proud as a Yankees employee when uh, the Yankees released their statement that they did in June. I, I thought it was a really powerful and substantial message uh, that they put out there. So, yeah, I mean, you know, if you're part of your goal with this with this story is to kind of document uh, these these months, this first half of 2020. That was a huge part of it. And uh, from a Yankees angle, I, I thought it was really interesting and, and important to document. And I'm really glad that it's in there. Well, I'm excited for that story to be in the hands of subscribers soon and online soon and the rest of the magazine. You know, there's just been so much surreal nonsense over the last uh, four months since we've been at a baseball stadium. And, you know, I'll, I'll say it for probably the 17th time on this episode. You know, for a couple hours a night, it's going to be pretty special to at least be baseball writers again and baseball employees again and employees of a team. I, I think that I say I know that sounds self-serving when I say this, and I know that nothing is going to be perfect and there's still a lot of challenges, but I'm grateful for the way that the Yankees have handled things thus far. I think that Yankees fans, and I mean this sincerely, should be proud of the way that the team has handled its staffers to this point, it's players, it's employees, the guys who aren't in the news. I'm selfishly, me, Nate, you, Nate, I think that we've been taken good care of. And I think that says a lot about the mentality of the team. And I, and I think I'm, I, I'm a proud uh, Yankees employee right now. Nate, thank you so much for taking the time. And I can't wait to about, you know, a week or two from now when we start working on the September issue, <laughs> you know, as though things are back to normal and a couple months pass, a couple weeks pass rather, and it's time to start the next issue. So thanks so much for, for chatting today. Yeah, and with, uh, with live baseball on in the background to boot, so let's play ball. Let's do it. To everyone else, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Yankees Magazine Podcast. We will be back two weeks from now as the season should be in full swing. In the meantime, of course, we hope that you will follow us on Twitter at Yanks Magazine. You can also go to yankees.com slash podcast where you can subscribe to, I hope, this podcast. Like, rate, review us. And also the other podcast on the Yankees Magazine Podcast Network, Deep Collect with Bucky Dent. Please send us letters, podcast at yankees.com. And of course, with the August Magazine coming out, that means that subscriptions are now active again. I know we've said this a bunch of times. I want to reiterate it. Your subscription is for the number of issues, not for a calendar year. So even though we have not been publishing, you will still get the number of issues that you had coming to you. But also, it's a great time right now to subscribe or to go buy back issues or anything of the sort. You can call 800-GO-YANKS or go to yankees.com slash publications. In the meantime, we will watch baseball. We will talk about baseball. We can't wait to do this again in two weeks. 
And everyone, have a great day, be safe, and we'll speak to you soon. Thanks so much. Hi, this is Tommy Canley. For more stories like the ones you've been hearing about, subscribe to Yankees Magazine by visiting yankees.com slash publications or by calling 800-GO-YANKS. The MLB Ballpark app will complete your next visit to Yankee Stadium. Buy and manage game tickets, redeem special check-in offers, access exclusive content, and much more. Download the MLB Ballpark app today.